Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Is that we really need to have a hearing heart. We, we need to have a heart that hears from God. And so uh, my saying that, I really do know that a lot of us think, well, yeah, I, I really do need to hear from God. I, I would like to hear from God. You know, there are too many Christians and believers who feel like they never hear from God. And that's really a shame. It's, and I say that, it's not a shame because they never hear from God. It's a shame that we don't recognize how much God speaks to us. And a number of ways, and this, uh, in this series, I haven't gone into all the ways and that wasn't really my purpose of going in, but God speaks to us in so many different ways. And when I thought of this today, it, it occurred to me, you know, uh, he speaks to us through nature. And it kind of threw me back to before I got saved in my old hippie days, you know, in trees and woods and, huh, you know. But, but the reality is, even though, uh, and God did speak to me back through his creation back in those days. I just, never mind, I'm not even going to get into that. But, <clears throat> but he does speak to us through, through his creation. His word says creation uh, uh, reveals and cries out the glory of God. And so he does, he really does. When we see a beautiful sunrise and we go, wow, God, that is incredible. That's God's voice speaking to us. Uh, when we see a beautiful sunset or the ocean or whatever. Anyway, God speaks to us through nature, through His creation. He speaks to us most often through His Word uh, when we read it. And that's why we need to read His Word. And everybody said, yeah. Yeah. He speaks to us through teaching and through preaching. He speaks to us through other believers, and I can't, couldn't even number the times God has spoken to me through other people, through some, some of those of you who are here in this church. You, God has used you to speak to me, and so uh, He speaks to us in so many ways. He speaks to us in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, and so He really does speak to us a lot but I do believe we can become more sensitive and cultivate more of a hearing heart. We can learn in our, to hear God speaking better to us. And a lot of it is just really recognizing it. But in the first two messages, the first week I preached about hearing God's wisdom, that He will speak His wisdom to us. The second message was that we can hear God's peace. He will, if we will listen, He will speak peace to our hearts. We need a lot of that today, don't we? Tonight, what we're going to look at is something a little uh, in a different realm, really, and that is that we need to hear the cry of the lost. This is something that I have been stirred about for several months And I really do believe that we are going to see a 
major move of God, and I mean worldwide. <clears throat> when, I, when I say that, I am really uh, um, speaking in concert <clears throat> with so many other uh, uh, people, uh, many people who are uh, uh, notable in the prophetic realm and have real credibility, have been prophesying for, for some time, just re- actually just recently, uh, about and often about a third great awakening. <clears throat> and I really have been stirred about this in my own heart and believing uh, for that, and I know we've talked about it in our staff meetings. Pastor Poole has mentioned it, uh, the stirring, and, uh, and we as a staff here at New Life Church are excited about what God has for us in the future. And I believe it's something that we're all going to be talking about. And not just of what God is doing in Africa or in Asia, but what God is doing here in New Life Church in Kingman, Arizona. Now, I believe God wants to use us, don't you? Now, I want you to tell yourself, God wants you. We need a heart that hears what God hears, the cry of those in bondage. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses sees a burning bush, and he turns aside to see why the bush isn't burned up or consumed, and God speaks to him in verse 7, and says, The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out, because of the slave drivers. I know how much they are suffering. Now, God told Moses that he had heard the cry of his people. Moses responded, uh, and uh, the rest is history. The Hebrews eventually went into their promised land. Now, I just condensed over 40 years of history in just several sentences. And some of you who have been in church for a long time will say, thank you for that. My point is that God does hear the cry of people in bondage, and there are still people suffering and crying out for help in our day. God's heart, excuse me, is after people. This is the reason Jesus came in John 3.16, says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is a vivid picture of the heart of God uh, in words. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. So God's heart is after people. And we need to have God's kind of heart, a heart for others. So important. You know, if we do, if we have a heart that is toward other people, you know, that will distinguish us. That word distinguish means to mark off as different and to recognize as distinct. 
This is really important. It's critical. I want to be distinct. I don't want to be necessarily weird, but I want to be distinct. I, want, I don't want to be just like the whole world and, and all that. I want to be different. You know, and I, and I say that because I realize that there is another pandemic that the world is suffering from beyond COVID-19, and that pandemic is selfishness. It has caused uh, far more deaths, far more agony, far more misery, far more heartache, uh, and all than COVID-19, selfishness. And if you and I, as God's people, will have a heart from for others, it will distinguish us. It will mark us off as different. It will, will be recognized as distinct because we care about others. In the Gospels, when Jesus saw or was confronted by the need of others, it says on several occasions that he was moved with compassion. What moved or motivated Jesus uh, to uh, uh, heal the sick or to reach out his hand and touch a man that was full of leprosy and heal him. And what moved him or motivated him to ultimately uh, die on the cross was his heart for others. Jesus wasn't just wanting to win people over for his cause. Uh, he didn't want people just chanting his name. Give me a J, J, give me an E, E, give me an S, S, give me a U, U, give me an S. What's that spell? Jesus. He wasn't just interested in winning people over to a cause. Uh, he wasn't after movement or an army. He was after a family. It was a heart thing. Jesus said, the thing that will distinguish us is our love. By all this, in John 13, 35, all will know that you are my disciples. They'll know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we need to get this right, don't we? We need to have a heart for others, a heart like God's, a heart for others, one that uh, is moved toward the need and the cry of others. And one of the, 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 the biggest areas that if we will be sensitive to, we will begin to hear more clearly. And I believe God is going to help us to hear better the cry of the lost. Because people are needy. They are lost. Now, and I understand when, when you use terms like the, you know, uh, the cry of the lost, some may wonder, what, what, what do you mean, lost? Well, Jesus said he had come to seek and save those who were lost. If we haven't asked Jesus to come into our lives, uh, into our hearts, we're lost. And, you know, those who are lost really do know something is not quite right. Before I got saved, I knew I, I was missing it somewhere. Now, I, my friends and I didn't really talk about it 
uh, you know, do you, you feel like you're missing something in your life? We didn't really do that. We didn't talk about it. Uh, we didn't have conversations about it. Uh, I tried to ignore it, tried to cover it up, tried to fit in. I tried to mask it by getting drunk or getting high, but deep inside, I knew I was missing it. And what it was is I was lost. Augustine wrote in the fourth century, you have made, talking about God, to God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And this is so true. And we need to know this about everyone. Those who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior have a restless heart. They're lost. Now, this can be really challenging to us because they may not always appear lost, right? Uh, some people act like just everything is fine, everything's okay, you know, it's all good, and, and, and they, it's, it's, uh, they, they look like they, a lot of people who aren't saved may even look like they've got it all together, like everything's going great, everything is wonderful, but no matter how they appear outwardly, if they aren't saved, they're lost. And listen, deep inside, they know it. And I understand this because it's the way I was before I got saved. I, I tried to put on an act with my friends, but inside, I was crying out. In fact, I can remember times after getting home from partying and, and lifting up my hand towards, hands towards the, the, the ceiling, really towards the heavens, and just crying out. I didn't even know anything about anything, but I was crying out because I was lost. And one night, I cried out to God, and I said, God, I don't know what to do. You need to send somebody to talk to me. Tell me what I need to do. And you know God heard that cry. And two days later, a Holy Ghost preacher named Ron Jones came walking up to me and began to share Jesus with me, and I got S-A-V-E-D saved. Give me a J! No, 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 no. <laughs> but that was 46 years ago this month. February 1st was my 46th spiritual birthday. And... And I tell that story again because we need to know that there are so many people who are lost like I was, like you were. And we need to know that they are lost, empty, confused, crying out. You know, Ron Jones had no idea what was going on in my life when he talked to me that day. God hadn't appeared to him and said, I want you to go to that dumpy trailer court two blocks from the church and walk up <coughs> to that long-haired hippie and talk to him about Jesus. 
for I have heard his cry, and you're the answer. It didn't go down that way. I talked to him after that, actually uh, uh, some years after that, and he said that what he had come into the trailer park for was to sell a used car. But he happened to see me and was moved to, to speak to me, give me a track, tell me about Jesus, and because of that, my life's never been the same. And it was like the line from Amazing Grace, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. That totally describes what I felt like after I got saved. I had been lost, but I was found. I had been blind, but now my eyes were open. I began to see the kingdom of God and the purpose for living and life, and I, I am grateful and thankful for that, and now this is what's moving me is I need to be able to hear the cry of others like he heard my cry. God heard my cry and answered with somebody. That somebody didn't know exactly what was going on in my life, but they reached out and touched me for Jesus. See, it doesn't mean that we have to have a specific word to talk to someone. We just need to know that the world is crying out that they need Jesus, and we are the answer. Now, as I talk about this, I understand that many of us wonder, really, what, what can we do? And a lot of us really wonder about our qualifications. You know, how, how am I even qualified to talk to anybody about Jesus? There was a guy uh, in the uh, Gospels that is only known, he's known by, by two different phrases, the demoniac of the Gadarenes, or simply legion. He identified himself as legion. Jesus asked, what is your name? And he said, I think he growled, legion, or something like that. Now, legion, a legion was a company of Roman soldiers, and there were 3,000 soldiers in a legion. And so when Jesus said, name yourself, he said, legion, because there were 3,000 demons inside this guy. And one encounter with Jesus, and he was set free. And just after that, Jesus spoke to him and said, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Later, when Jesus came into that same area, everybody brought the sick and, and all manner of diseases out and, and every kind of need because of this one man's story. And so it wasn't like he had it all together. I, I've been a Christian long enough to know that once we get saved, just the moment we get saved, it doesn't mean that we've just got it all together, right? I mean, I, after I got saved, I really did get saved, but I didn't have it all together. I, I would be lying to you tonight to say I've got it all together 46 years later. I have grown some, thank God. But I didn't have it. And I, I dare say this guy that had 
been so inhabited with so many different personalities that when he did get delivered, he got delivered. But I don't think he probably had it all together. But he had a story, his story, of what Jesus had done for him, and it changed the whole area where he lived. Now, your and my story may not be as uh, dramatic or spectacular as legions, but every one of us has our own story. And it may be as simple as, you know, I, I just ask Jesus to come into my life and save me, and he did. And now I know him. It may be as simple as that. And you know, that's a story that you have of what God did for you. And that simple story can be life-changing to somebody who's crying out. The Apostle Paul was an incredible theologian. He wrote uh, a good part of the New Testament. He knew the Old Testament Scriptures uh, back and forward, top and bottom, knew them, knew them incredibly, and yet there were several occasions where he was before large groups of people, and rather than just expound on uh, his knowledge of the Scriptures, what he did was tell the story of how Jesus came into his life and what he had done for him. He had an audience with some high-ranking officials, and he just told a story about how Jesus had appeared to him and, and changed his life, had saved him. And this guy named King Agrippa said, you know, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. If we will simply tell our story and allow God to use us to reach out and touch people, just to share in simple words uh, what He has done for us, lives will be changed. Now, I know we say things like that so often, you know, uh, but in, our, in the recesses of our mind, we can think, well, you know, that I know that, that people have been reached that way, but I don't know about me being able to have the ability or, or the, the qualifications. I just don't know that I'm uh, all that powerful. And, you know, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, and I want you to listen carefully to what he says. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, Paul is being honest about the way he had felt as he was there, and he says, I was intimidated, I was with uh, trembling and in weakness, but he said, I told you about Jesus and how he died for our sins, and when he did that, even though he felt intimidated, the power of God showed up and changed lives. And see, if we have been saved, we are qualified 
to tell others. Now tell yourself you're qualified. Bill Trujillo was a friend of mine in the Flagstaff Church after I got saved. He got saved maybe uh, a month or two after I did. And Bill, he was, uh, he was a really good guy. He's gone on to be with the Lord uh, several years back. But uh, he, when he got saved, he had been a gutter street alcoholic. He had sniffed a whole lot of glue and had been in a couple of car accidents that had left him with uh, uh, impaired, uh, it messed his brain up. And so after he got saved, you know, Bill uh, was sincere and, and all, but you, in the first several, some weeks and months after he got saved, you could hardly carry a conversation with the guy. He would uh, start a conversation, then he'd switch gears, and he, he'd get uh, befuddled and just really couldn't carry on, at that time, a normal conversation. He was able to, uh, and God worked a real miracle in his brain and restored and, and, and all later, but, but just after he got to, this is the way he was. But he had a guy that lived next door to him that was a drug addict. And God dealt with Bill to go over and just invite him to church. And so Bill was just this uh, kind of a small, petite guy, you know, small and, and very intimidated. And he goes out and, and walks up and down in front of this guy's house. Now, the drug addict, this guy was on his front porch with a bowl of pot on his lap and was rolling joints. And Bill was out in front on the sidewalk, walking back and forth and looking at him. And he had a piece of paper in his hand. It was a flyer to a movie we were showing that night at our church uh, called Gospel Road uh, by Johnny Cash. And, and so he's got that flyer, and he's pacing back and forth because he's nervous. Because this guy was, was big. He was, you know, and he looked mean, you know. And so... But he's just rolling joints and, and looking at And so he's wondering what this guy is doing. And he thinks to himself, you know, he thinks, well, he just wants to bum a joint off me. And he was going to give him one, you know. And so finally Bill got the courage up, and he walked right up to him. He stuck the flyer out, handed it out to him, and he said, God told me to give you this. And he gave it to him and turned and walked away. That was it. That was all. It wasn't like he came and, and preached Jesus to him or had this uh, uh, in, incredible uh, aura around him that, that drew him. But, you know, that guy took that flyer and he thought, hmm, I kind of like Johnny Cash. And he went out that night with a woman that he was living with, he was actually living with two women. He went with one of them that night out to the church, got saved, and the other woman that was living with him, she was a backslider, came about a week later. She was watching for a week these two that had gotten saved because she knew what they should be doing and how their lives, you know, should, should. And she saw they weren't by any means perfected in that week, but she saw a dramatic change in their lives. And she came out and got saved. 
And the, the guy that got saved, his name is Larry Huck, and he has preached uh, the gospel all over the world. He's pioneered churches in Australia and in the United States. He's on Christian TV all the time now. And, and he got saved because a guy who did not think of himself as being qualified got up the courage to simply stick a flyer in his face and say, God told me to give this, and turned and walked away. And because of that, literally hundreds of thousands of people and lives have been touched. That's awesome. There was another guy in the uh, Flagstaff Church that, that, that came, and he got saved. He also was, we were, a lot of us were just long-haired hippies. And this guy, my hair was about grown down to there. It was when I had it, and it was down to there. This guy, Manny Vallejo, had hair down to his waist. And uh, he was, you know, before he got saved, he was into the uh, Eastern stuff and meditation. And he, one night, was talking to a girl that had just, a friend that had just gotten saved. And uh, she was trying to tell him about Jesus. And he was revelating with her about how, you know, uh, uh, meditation and all the things that he was doing and the Eastern philosophy. And he had such peace in his life, you know. And so she simply turned to him and said, you know, Manny, you will never know real peace until you know Jesus. And that was it. Manny went into his house and he said for days that phrase kept going on and over and over in his mind, You'll never know real peace until you know Jesus, until finally he came and he got saved and he's been living for God for, this is again, 46 years and has preached the gospel all over, has been involved in African missions for a number of years, uh, pastored churches, uh, uh, has built an, a thriving business uh, in Oregon, and God tremendously has used this guy because the girl simply said, You'll never know real peace until you know Jesus. We need to know that people are crying out for the reality of what we know. And we don't have to feel qualified or capable or, or whatever. We simply need to know our own story and tell them. I'm going to close with just a final story, and, and it's a, a little boy, uh, 11 years old, <clears throat> true story. He and his, his dad, his dad was a pastor of a church, and every Sunday afternoon after church, uh, and they'd eat, and then Sunday afternoon, they'd go out with <clears throat> tracks and pass them out to people and, and, and share Christ, and, and the, the, this boy was only 11 years old, but he had a real heart for people. And so it was a Sunday afternoon, and it was rain, pouring down rain and cold outside. And so uh, the boy looked at his dad and said, well, Dad, I'm, I'm ready. And his dad said, ready for what? And he said, well, I'm ready to go out and, and pass tracks with you, you know, and talk to people about Jesus. And, and the dad said, son, he said, it's pouring down rain outside. It's freezing. And he said, oh, we're, not, we're not going today. And the boys said, well, 
Dad, aren't people still going to hell even though it's raining? <laughs> and, and the dad said, well, yeah, but son, I'm not going out in this weather. And the, and the boy said, well, dad, can I go? And he says, well, yeah, bundle up real good and you can go, but uh, man, it's, it's pouring down rain. So the little boy took the tracks, a, a pile of tracks, and went outside and for two hours went door to door sharing uh, those tracks. All he'd do is pass a track and tell people Jesus loved them and that there was a message in there about Jesus. And he went from house to house and finally ended up with one last track. And he's looking around for somebody to pass it to. He's standing on a street corner. Nobody was around because it was pouring down rain. And so he, he went to the nearest house, knocked on the door, no answer, rang the doorbell, no answer, rang the doorbell again, and he kept on ringing the doorbell, just getting, nobody was coming. And he stood there, kept ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door, and uh, uh, nobody responded. And so finally, after what was a lot, he, he almost turned and walked away, but he felt like he needed to try again. So he rang the doorbell several more times, beat on the door, and finally an old woman opened up the door. She was frail looking and, and obviously uh, grief st stricken and, and the boy passed her a track and he said, you know, Jesus really does love you. And this is uh, something that will tell you about his love for you and I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. And he turned and uh, began to walk away and the older lady said, son, God bless you. Uh, have a good day, and shut the door. The next uh, Sunday, the pastor of the church, this kid's dad, stood up and said, uh, does anybody have anything they want to share? Do you have a, a story or something God's done in your life? And this old lady stood up from the back row, and she says, I'd like to share something. She came forward, and she says, you know, I have never been a Christian until last Sunday. And she said, my husband had died some time ago and I left me alone and I've been lonely and just desperate. And she said, I had gone up to my attic, taken a chair and a rope, and tied the rope around the rafters, tied a noose and put it around my neck and the doorbell rang. And she, she said, I stood there and I'm thinking, well, these, whoever it is, you know, nobody ever comes to my house and they'll just go away. And she said that he kept ringing that doorbell and beating on the door and kept ringing. And so she said, finally, I just took the rope off, got down, went down the stairs and opened up the door. And she said, here was this beautiful 11-year-old boy that told me Jesus loved me. And she said, I know Jesus now. She, she had closed the door. She'd gone inside, read the, the gospel track, and given her life to Jesus. And she said after she read that, after she had prayed, she went back up in the attic, undid the rope, took the chair down, and she said, I don't need the, them anymore because I know Jesus is my Savior now. She said, I looked at the back of the track, and it had the address to this church, and I just wanted to thank this little boy for sharing Jesus with me, and because of him, I'm alive 
and I know Jesus is my Savior. <clears throat> that little boy had no idea the impact that his life was going to make until that moment. You and I tonight, all of us, I know that we, and I, you know, I've been a Christian for a time. I've preached for a long time. But even today and to, to this day, there are times where I wonder really what, what influence or impact can I really make on people if I just share and, and talk to them about Jesus wondering. But, you know, I do feel that God is opening up people's eyes. And that there really is coming a, a, an a, a real awakening where people are waking up. I think that the days that we're living in are desperate. I think that people uh, are crying out in their hearts for something that is real. They may not know what that is, but they know in their hearts that they are missing something. That something is someone, and the one that we know in his name is Jesus. Praise God. We need, you and I, need to be able to hear the cry of the lost. Let's bow our heads tonight, close our eyes. Maybe you came to this service tonight or, or you're viewing online, and maybe you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. And I'm here to tell you tonight that He really does love you. And no matter what has gone on before in your life or what you have done, He came and died and shed His blood so that you could know Him in a very real way. And tonight, if you'd like for uh, us to pray with you and, and you just from where you are would repeat a prayer that we're going to pray in just a moment where you are and you'd like to be included in that prayer or you're viewing online and would like to pray this prayer out with us, Jesus will come into your life, and you can know him for yourself. If you're here and you've never asked Christ to come into your life, or you have at one time you away from him, you just uh, like to be included in this prayer tonight, just where you are, no one's looking around, just slip your hand up and just say, would you, by that hand lifted up, acknowledge your need of him. God bless you. Anyone else tonight? Praise God. Amen. All right, we're going to pray together, and I want everyone to just pray this prayer with me, if you would. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and dying on the cross for me. You shed your blood so that I could be forgiven and know you and God the Father. Thank you for forgiving me tonight coming into my heart and making yourself real to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a big clap and just thank him? <clears throat> thank you, Lord. Praise God. Just before we leave tonight, we have some cards. Some of you may have seen them. They're on the table out in the foyer, and it's a very... Uh, simple little cards, got our church name, got our service times on the back, but inside is a, a very simple plan of salvation, and it gives three steps of how to be saved, and then there's even a prayer at the end uh, for someone. I'd encourage you, 
uh, to take some of these with you. And believe God for not, you know, it doesn't take God to uh, bring a blinding light of revelation for you to share with somebody. Just be sensitive and, and, and pass it to someone. You, 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 it may not even take words for you to say. Just say, you know what, I'd just like to give you something, invite you to church or, or uh, uh, Jesus loves you or something as simple as that. And you know, that simple thing could be the very thing that changes a lot of lives. Amen. God bless you. We're going to let you go tonight. Be kind to each other. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.